0: Hi, welcome to the restaurant, uh, table for one. Yeah, that wait is going to be just the exact length of this podcast. Before continuing my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. First, I didn't get to do it last time because it was such a announcement filled episode. But here at Potterless, every month we donate $1 per patron that we have at our team over at patreon.com slash Potterless. And at the beginning of November, we had 851 patrons, meaning I donated $851 to the Communities Foundation of Texas. They set up a disaster relief fund in response to the tornadoes that went through dallas a couple weeks back my sister lives in dallas she was not affected but one of her really good friends was their house just got absolutely wrecked so this one was near and dear to my heart and i'm glad this relief fund exists to try to help out the families that were affected if you want to learn more about this charity you can go to cftexas.org And speaking of Texas, in just 10 days, Potterless will be live in Houston, Texas with Horse as the opening act. Just a lovely little podcast that I'm a big fan of. Those two hosts are fantastic. The live show is going to be a hoot. The guest for that live show is going to be Johnny Froelichstein, who's been on the show a bunch. The best man in my wedding. It'll be very fun. Eric Silver is going to be in the Horse section, obviously, but he'll also be a part of the Potterless section, too. So we've got a wonderful group of guests for the show. We have something really special planned. I'm so excited. I have put a lot of prep work into this. It's a unique format. It's different than anything I've ever done before, so I'm really excited to share that with you Texans in Houston. And if you want to get tickets, you can go to bit.ly slash town and get your tickets today. And other live events this weekend, I'll be in Atlanta, Georgia for Conjuration. I have things going on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There will be a meetup. If you want to learn about all the things that I'm doing, you can go to multitude.production slash live and just make sure you're following Potterails on social media so that once I pick a place for the meetup, you'll know when it is and where it is and you can see my face if you'd like to. And speaking of faces of people that I would like to see, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Megan Andrews, Brooke Rankin, Alexandra Kogay-Vexelman, Zach ej Clint Jordy Rate Jessica Phillips, Gemma Monti, Mila Kabir- Bilka, Stephanie Hofert, Zoe Sponson, Amanam, Emma Nelson, Jess Charlotte, Basile, Chevalier, Kundrain, Bardod, Trisha O'Hara, Taylor Payne, Matt Baze, Carl Sharma, Evelina, Francesca Sacho, Sarah Leia, and someone that made their name, you can write whatever here, which is true, as long as you don't write something mean. Shout out to Joe Vito Mubri, Charlotte, and Darlene Rowell who upgraded their pledge. A huge shout out to Adam Graham, who upgraded to the producer level status, as well as our new producer level patrons, Emma, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jack McMahon, Jan Rose. Daub and T Pixel Guy. They join the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Jesse, Natalie, Cloud, Frank, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Abid, Rose, Marie, Marie, Lisa, Remina Kamel, Audra, Eleanor, Ross, and Nikita. Taylor, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Takari, Haley, Moster, Angelina, Caitlin, Grace, Raul, Ingan, Mari, Alex, John, Noel, Tau Emily, Robin, Will, Liz, Brandon, Sarah, Claire, Rory, Gloria, Sarah, Patrick, Alakad, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friday, Ivor, Naomi, Tyler, Summer, Heather, Vera, Carrie, Andrea, Ella, Anthony, David, Lisa, Lynn, Cameron, Justin, Christine, Jacob, Toothless, Maya, Mark, Polly, Netta, Remy, Sarah, Nona, Zina. Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Brian, Jenny, Nikki, Cara, Corney, Kine, Amanda, Sabrina, Alicia, Kafir, Lindy, Martha, Benjamin, Sarah, Marta, Stephanie, Justin, Aaron, CJ, Eileen, Violet, Kat, Lindsay, Field, and Keegan, Miranda, Gale, Mr. Folk, Adam, Christina, Maya, Zachary, Kieran, Heaven, Christy, Lily, Wire Warrior, Floor, Siri, Georgia, Itzel, Topher, Peter, Candy, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Kelsey, Lubin, Malaya, Lena, Daniel, Lili, Elizabeth, Abby, Lika, Michael, Earmuffs, Kara, Tiffany, Kelly, Nadia, Carrie, Jamie, Camillo, Connie, Mary, Amos, Anastasia, Jaden, Nedry, Matt, Riley, Will, Zephyr, Brett, Samantha, Kayla, Lauren, Aurora, Emma, Hermani, Megan, Out of Context, Liam Anna, Marcos, Ella, Hannah, Courtney, Victoria, Marie, Ashton, Brittany, Phelon, Julie, The Meadows Family, Jennifer, Anna, Fake, Brianna, Caru, Teru, Sarah, McKenna, Six, Awkward Nine, Anthony, Peter, Heather, Dead Cat, Lady, Javi, Darlene, Brad, Thomas, Charlotte, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Patrick, Chrissy, Alex, Charlotte, Bugaboo, Yarl, Haley, Steamed Nuggets, and can't I Potter? Who never say nice when someone asks, how's it going? Because that just doesn't make any sense. How's it going? Nice. That means nothing past Mike. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content, exclusive merchandise, director's commentary, live, streams you can head on over to patreon.com/potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 101 of Potterless, the first of three parts about the movie version of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, guest starring Lauren Shippen and Briggan Snow. Hello, internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 27-year-old man who finally read some children's novels. It only took him three years, and now he's watching the movies. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm That Grown Man, and I'm here joined by two lovely people, both from Atypical Artists. One is in the studio with me. One is across the country via the internet. So in studio is Lauren Shippen, and across in California via Skype is Brigham Snow. Lauren and Brigham, how's it going?
1: It's going really good. Going
0: well. Are you excited to talk about this? Absolutely, Buck Wild interpretation of a
1: book. <laughs> interpretation is a good way to put it.
2: <laughs> I am so so excited though I texted Lauren last night when I had a realization because we had talked a while ago about my favorite Harry Potter movie is Half-Blood Prince Uh so I literally had for like a week been thinking oh this is the one that we're doing and then I texted Lauren last night I was like oh I just read the text actually (laughs) and that's not what we're doing so I have to watch a two hour and 40 minute movie tonight oh no yeah I
1: did not get that text until morning because I'm three hours ahead yeah yeah also is it really two hours and 40 minutes yeah so
2: I oh it's a chunky boy oh
1: God, yeah. They're
0: all. Over two and a half hours Yeah Which is ridiculous I learned this the hard way When I was first Endeavoring on this project Of doing (laughs) movies I was like okay I'll ask people to do it It's not that bad And then I asked Paul Bay To watch the first one And he had never seen any of them I was like Oh two hours and forty That's a lot And then the second one Was two hours and thirty something And then Now this one It's yeah It's two hours and thirty seven minutes Wait Wait is right Briggan Because past Mike Said something that was untrue Hey guys Editing Mike here With a little correction Movies five, seven, and eight Are just under two and a half hours So technically Not all of them. Anyway, back to the show.
2: So all of them are two hours and like over two hours and 30 minutes. That does not bode well because this movie feels like the longest of all of them.
1: That is true. I actually, well.
2: I thought the second one felt the longest just because the
1: scenes that
0: they decided to drag out made no sense. At least the stuff here (laughs) that they add extra things to like the dragon chase and all that are cool things. Yeah. Yeah. They just make up stuff in the second.
1: Also, the second book is Is I think easily the worst Yes And so it does not translate well to a movie I don't think
0: And the other thing with this one Is that this book was the first time When the size really jumped This book is really long And even though the movie felt long When I was looking up all the differences From book to movie and double checking So many of the side plots just get axed And this movie still feels really long Oh really? Yeah so we'll get into that So yeah for context Brigham Your knowledge of the Harry Potter series Have you just seen the films? Have you read some of the books? Just so people know where you're at When the
2: first two came out like I read those first two and stopped after that, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm pretty much a movie boy at this Wait, point. What? That's why he's on. Oh no! I've I've created a rift in atypical no, no. artist. This is my Forget. this is my coming out, as it were. <laughs> I have every intention. James and I actually just got the complete series, so I need to like dig in and uh redeem my shame but yeah no just the movies
1: i'm having like a crisis right now <laughs> Lauren is
2: crumbling. we started
1: a company together i was in your wedding how do i not know this about you
2: i duped you
1: <laughs> oh my so you've only read the first two books yeah how has this never come up before <laughs> I feel oh deeply gosh. betrayed. <laughs> I didn't
0: know that you didn't know, and I'm so glad you had this on audio to preserve forever.
1: We've been to Harry Potter World together.
2: <laughs> it's true.
1: I need to go. <laughs> I need to go think about some stuff.
2: Are you happy, Mike? You just broke up a friendship and a company. Oh, this is great.
0: I've done it. Oh, my gosh. I'm like a home wrecker, but for friendships and them. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is incredible. It's like I
1: don't even know you.
0: Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, this has been a great bonus episode of Potterless at And now just... I'm actually going to do couples therapy
1: for Brigham and <laughs>
0: it's okay
1: (laughs) we'll get through this
0: (laughs) so yeah let's get into this this film because oh boy it just starts off so bonkers I tweeted this last night when I was watching it that 17 minutes in the movie is already off the rails (laughs) (laughs) it's not that the movie is bad I still really enjoyed it yeah there are just so many things that having read the books are just confusing of why they change things or add things or remove things but I do still think this is a really enjoyable movie Mm -hmm. just to watch as a film
1: I, I I agree. I think I think the first two movies are, are kind of rough for me. The third, everybody loves the third movie, and I think it's a good movie. It is not a Harry Potter movie, in my opinion. Ooh. It's just it's. I love Alfonso Cuarón, but like, what were they thinking?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very <laughs>
1: <different>. Alfonso <laughs> Cuarón and direct uh, a Harry Potter movie. Uh, I
2: think the director of this is Mike Newell.
1: Yeah, and
2: he directed Mona Lisa's Smile and like all these other like really strange movies that it does not make sense that he did this one. So it's it's oh, super really? interesting. He did Mona Lisa's Smile. Yeah.
1: That's wild.
2: You could say that's Mona Lisa's
0: wild. Hey, this is editing, Mike, with a bad pun. Uh, Moving on. Back to the podcast.
1: I I don't know. I think that this movie feels like a Harry Potter movie, but I don't know. It's hard because some of the decisions that were made in the third movie, I think then like different directors had to grapple with in a way that I personally didn't like. Mm -hmm. Like. The way that Alfonso Cuaron was like, we're going to put them in street clothes and it's going to be kind of edgy. It's like then in this fourth movie, like they're still in street clothes and they have really long hair and it just feels like gritty in a way that... Harry Potter shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then David Yates like tried to kind of correct that in the, in the in the 5th movie, but I feel like this is kind of a weird in-between spot of like it's still whimsical and fantasy, but also it's still gritty. And, yeah, I yeah. think
0: the big thing for me with the book especially and the movie, what happens in the book is that it's still very like upbeat and whimsical until Cedric dies. And yes. then it's like almost a completely different book.
1: Yes.
2: Everything's fine. Wait, Cedric Dies? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh damn. So spoiler. <laughs> so I think that's a little bit lost in this movie is even right off the bat, the intro of the movie, it's dark and creepy and it's underwater and they show you the graveyard in the intro thing before the title card Mm -hmm. and all of that. Whereas when I was reading this, I remember it still being much like the first three, happy, upbeat. Sure, we got a little grittiness in the third with series, but it was still like everything's whimsical and wonderful. And even when Harry's in danger against dragons and mermaids and all this other stuff, it seems fine. Yeah. And then shit gets real in the last couple of chapters. And I remember finishing that book and closing it with like a felt like there was a rock, like a pit in my stomach of, oh, this is really different. And I feel like that vibe is there right from the get-go in this one.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And that's one of the things I I really love about this book is that it feels very... It's just like, yeah, it's like the stakes are a little bit higher, but Harry's still at school and there's this wacky tournament and it's dangerous, but like it never feels like life or death stakes. And then it becomes life or death stakes. And I think that that parallels nicely what like, lose, like loss of innocence and moving from childhood yeah. into adulthood. Well, right.
2: I've got a question for you, you book learned folks, <laughs> based <laughs> off of like what was presented in the books up to this point, because I was trying to think back. To when I saw this in theaters and what how like how it affected me. And I remember this movie being the first Harry Potter movie that like opened up the world to me in terms of like the wizarding mm-hmm. world, where yeah, totally. this movie yeah. had a lot of like world building with like Rita Skeeter and like all of the stakes that are outside of the walls of the school, like the World Cup and everything. And I remember this was the first time, I remember when Cedric died, where I was like, oh shit they're not at school anymore like they are at school but like this is this is a much bigger situation yeah mm-hmm. which is something i always liked about the movie but i think why the movie always felt super like bloated to me because it it felt like a lot of harry potter wizard exposition a lot of like world building
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like
2: goblet of fire but i've always seen goblet of fire the movie as like if that's your favorite Harry Potter movie, you basic. <laughs> I mean, it is the sports one. So yes. Yeah, it really, it's like the one that like every time I would turn on ABC Family or now Freeform, it's like, that's the Harry Potter movie that's on. It's always this one. Because it also feels like the most weirdly quintessential Harry Potter movie because of that. It's just like this yeah. compact, like, here's all the wizarding stuff.
1: It does feel a little bit like a series of amusement park rides. Yes. I think there is a degree of, I I think the the point about world building is a really good one. The idea that like, okay, well, if you like the characters, but you also just like wizards and you, you know, it's, I feel like the people who, for whom Goblet of Fire is a favorite movie are probably the same people that like are really, really into the Fantastic Beasts movies Mm -hmm. and Harry Potter world. And like, those things are fun and good, but that's not why I like Harry Potter. Like I like Harry Potter because of the characters and like the way that Mm -hmm. they interact with their wizarding world. Mm -hmm. And I think definitely in the book, Like, I remember the World Cup sequence in the book sort of being a little bit like exposition-y.
0: Yeah, it was a lot more explaining yeah. of who Crum was, why the World Cup was important, yep. what Quidditch was like. There's all these other things where people don't understand muggle money and muggle clothes and it gives you more insight into the wizarding
2: world. <laughs> Can I say how relieved I was that on the transition where they're like, the game is about to start at the World Cup and then it just cuts to later. And I was like, thank God, we don't have to go through a whole thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that because that is a choice. But yeah, I think the biggest thing with this movie, and, and as I'll go through my notes that I have here, is that it seems like they were trying to appeal to the most broad audience with this one yeah. by just showing you a bunch of whack shit via CGI. They were like, yeah, we're showing this, we're showing <laughs> that, the boat's going to rise out of the water and be really dramatic, we're cutting anything that matters plot-wise. Spew? Nah, like all these yeah. other tech actors, no, we got to make time to show cool stuff. And that was seemed like a big <laughs> emphasis in my brain for what they're really trying to go here was make a movie that appealed to a lot of people and how do you do that you just show a bunch of stuff that looks cool
1: yeah there's a valuing of aesthetics over like substance in this in this movie the biggest example of this I think and I'm sure we'll talk about this more later but my biggest issue with this movie that just drove me up the wall when the movie came out and still drives me up the wall it's a fact that they made Bobaton all girls yep. and Durmstrang yep. all oh, boys, yeah. and they did okay, yeah. it entirely Ugh. for aesthetic reasons, and it's garbage, it's and bad. I hate it so much. It's
0: bad, I can feel us <laughs> wanting to get into it, so let's get yeah, into sorry. the movie. <laughs> so as I mentioned, it starts off really creepy and really ominous, which I think sets the tone right away, which I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, it's got the snakes slithering through the graveyard, and then there's a creepy version of Hedwig's theme that's mm-hmm. more dissonant on violins. Oh, I love that music. It was cool, Yeah, yeah. it was pretty sweet. It felt very succession theme (laughs) (laughs) song-y when it has the string version in addition to having the normal version. Yeah. So that was very fun. You then get to the, the Frank scene where the groundskeeper is murdered by Voldemort. And unfortunately, they change things up. And for me, a big thing when I read this book, when I watched the movie, something I really wanted to see is that... The scene is pretty much the same, except Barty Crouch Jr. is there in the movie? He wasn't there in the book, right? No. He was, okay. In the book, it's just Wormtail and Voldemort as creepy, tiny, little baby thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in the chair, and Frank comes up, and then they sense his presence. And in the book, what they say is that the chair swivels around, and then Voldemort kills him. Now, the only type of chair that swivels is an office chair. Yeah. <laughs> or a bar stool. And they say this is like in a living room in front of a fireplace. So I always really wanted to see them have to show Wormtail dragging this chair around and it's squeaking <laughs> on the ground, and <laughs> and it's not smooth at all. And this time the chair is just kind of faced sideways and it doesn't really show it. But I remember reading the book, I was like, I wonder how they're going to do this because this makes no sense at all. Oh my God,
1: I forgot about the fact that it swivels. Yeah. <laughs>
0: in the book. You can't do that on a chair unless you have, I don't know, wheels under a recliner.
1: Yeah, I guess there are some, like, living room chairs that do swivel, like, in the same way that there are some that are, like, rocking chairs, but it's not Mm -hmm. usual and definitely wouldn't be, like, in an English country home, I don't think.
0: Not at all, not at all. So I was very sad that that didn't happen. (laughs) And then right after this Avada Kedavra, they cut directly to the burrow. So they go right to where the Weasleys live. And in the books, Brigham, what happens is they go back to the Dursleys and there's this whole thing of the Weasleys coming into the Dursleys to get Harry and bring him to the World Cup. And the scene's actually really funny because- It's really fun. They do flu powder, so they have to come through the fireplace, but the fireplace has been boarded up. So they all get stuck in the chimney and then they have to bust out. Then Fred and George give- Dudley, one of their Weasley wizarding wheezes candies that makes his tongue really long and purple. And then it makes this whole scene where the whole Dursley family is freaking out before Harry goes to the World Cup.
1: Yeah, Ah. and like, you know, it's got Arthur Weasley who his whole obsession with like muggle things doesn't, is not really approached in the movies at all. And it's him, you know, trying to be like a normal muggle person with the Dursleys and it's cute. But I also get why they cut it out because it's like all the Dursley stuff and all the books always feels like a little bit of filler. Right.
2: Wait, so quick aside on that, like fascination with muggle stuff, because I forget the movie, but it always frustrated me. And maybe you guys can fill me in on like, just general wizarding knowledge of muggle stuff. But I remember at one point, I forget which movie, but he's going through a turnstile and he's so fascinated by how it works as if he's never seen a turnstile before in the London tube. How believable is that, that he doesn't know what that thing is? Like they kind of make him out kind of silly in that moment, but is it like wizards truly don't know a lot of muggle technology and things?
1: Yeah, I mean if you're pure blood and you've grown up in a wizarding community and a wizarding family. Like Hermione knows a lot of, of stuff about muggles because she grew up muggle because her parents are muggles, but like no, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff made out of like especially you know Ron and Hermione like arguing about stuff because Hermione will say something then wrong and be like, that's not a real gotcha. thing. And she's like, Yeah, it is. Like dentists are real. Um, because her parents are dentists. So yeah, that, that I think is is very realistic. The
0: problem with that one in particular is that every year they have to bring their kids to King's Cross station. <laughs> so they would oh, go through a turnstile good every point. single year. So I think on a grander scale, yes. <laughs> wizards don't even have ballpoint pens. Right. But for that specific instance, no. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> So they, they go to the World Cup. And what's interesting about the movie is like they're just going and Harry has no idea what's going on. They haven't even told Harry that they're going to the World Cup. I don't know if it's supposed to be understood yeah. that he already <laughs> knows, but they're just going. And Harry at one point is even asking, where are we going? Yeah. Which I didn't know if they were asking, where is the portkey situation or I'm at the borough. What's up, what are guys? But. <laughs> <laughs> as they're walking, they come up and you meet Amos Diggory and then Cedric Diggory hops out of a tree.
2: Yeah. Why was he in a tree? <laughs> oh, my God. So
0: weird. What, like, what is he doing there? There
2: are so <gasps> many random hopping out of that. Like, there's one point where I think Malfoy hops out of a tree later in the film where I'm just like, what the hell? They they had so many weird placements, people in uh. this film.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be like, a, aha, I'm here, yeah. a surprise, yeah. type thing, but it just comes off really hokey and You're strange. You're in a tree!
0: <laughs> and it's a it's not a short tree. It's a very <laughs> tall tree. It's a big, dramatic fall. It makes no sense at all. I don't know if they agreed to meet there, which would make sense because then they go to the porky. You'd think they would just say, let's meet at the shoe. But yeah. instead, it's like, okay, let's meet at this particular part of the woods, and then they get there early. And so it's like, well, we got five minutes to kill. I'm going to go climb this tree.
1: <laughs> I guess he's like a teenage boy, right? So he's, uh, I don't know, killing time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so interesting. So they finally get to the actual port key, which is the boot, and the whole dramatic CGI effects of that they are kind of cool, but it's absurd. It's, yeah. It's a lot.
1: Also, because, I i mean, it's been a while since I've read the fourth book, but are port keys really that intense? No. Yeah, it, it's it, like apparating is, is the thing that's really intense.
0: Pretty much. I think they both do the same thing where you feel the tug from your navel, like your stomach getting sucked in and then spit out. So (laughs) with the spinning, it was very strange. And then also, what doesn't make any sense is that everyone else has to let go and they get spit out from it. But then Arthur, Amos, and Cedric descend (laughs) gracefully. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. like bicycling their feet. It's so weird. And
0: there's a dramatic sunlight behind it. So I really imagined the music cue in the background of like, I'm walking on sunshine. (laughs) And I just don't understand what makes them able to do it, but the other one's not. Why don't Fred and George also know how to land? Yeah. Uh, it's so strange.
1: I got what they were trying to do of, oh, Cedric is handsome and talented and good at things and, you know, <laughs> is making Harry feel inferior a lot of the time. But, like, there's got to be a less ham-fisted way to show that.
0: <laughs> now, timing-wise, this was before he was cast in Twilight, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Was he famous for anything else, or was it just, oh, this is Robert Pattinson, he's good-looking? I
1: I think it was just, this is Robert Pattinson. He's good looking, Okay. which I have never really understood the Robert Pattinson thing. So, <laughs> but I definitely like had a crush Said Cedric Day when I read the book. So yeah. seeing this movie, I was a bit like, hmm, okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's one choice. <laughs> no shade at you, Robert, but I'm assuming <laughs> yeah. you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, a, he's
0: a huge fan. Just in between takes at the Batman,
1: just <laughs> listening. Just, listening to just
0: throws his phone across the room. <laughs> So they change some stuff here with the Weasley family, mainly that Percy is not here and he's yeah, in there right, in the book. Yeah. And there's also no Bill or Charlie. I don't know if they went to the World Cup as well, but they're just not in the film at all. And they are in the book.
1: Yeah. Charlie literally never, ever shows up in the movies.
0: He's <laughs> only in a photo of their trip to Egypt. Yes, and that's, that's it. right. That is the only instance of Charlie, the best Weasley Aside from Ginny and Molly. But (laughs) I think it's weird that Percy isn't here because Chris Rankin, who is now my best friend after having met him at LeakyCon, (laughs) he was in the first three movies. So I don't know if it was a scheduling thing or if they're trying to cut costs by being like, well, if Percy's really only because he's really is only in that one scene. He's not there that much because... He had graduated at this point, Mm -hmm. so the only plot line that is there is that he has a falling out with the Weasley family because he gets the job and he has a disagreement. Oh, no, no, wait. Actually, he's in the book a lot because he fills in for when Barty Crouch is absent and stuff.
1: That's right. Yeah, he's
0: actually a major portion of this book. Yeah. And they just wrote him out. Yeah.
2: My silence should indicate that these names are flying over my head (laughs) because (laughs) of the movies. Percy Weasley
0: is the older brother of the Weasleys. He was the prefect from the first two, kind of snooty and up and tight. And in the book, what happens is you have Barty Crouch Sr., the guy with the Hitler mustache and the vague accent that doesn't. Go anywhere. Yeah, love. Yeah. (laughs) He
1: he (laughs) has
0: this whole side plot where he is, quote unquote, sick, and he can't show up for some parts of the Triwizard Tournament. And Percy, as his executive assistant, fills in and shows up and is generally snooty. And that's a whole side plot in the film that they just completely got rid of. So I guess... I guess they just decided to have no Percy at all because if they had him for a little bit, maybe it would be more confusing as to why they ignored this side plot, which does become really important later on in the books.
1: Well, I mean, Mm. that's, I think, the problem with a lot of these movies is that they're making them simultaneously with the books. And Mm. so there were things that I think there were like battles that J.K. Rowling was like made a point to fight. Like this isn't this isn't a spoiler for the fifth movie, really, but like. Creature is a character who you first meet in the fifth book, mm-hmm. and when they were making the fifth movie, they cut him out completely, and J.K. Rowling was like, uh, no, you need to keep him in there, because of course he becomes really important mm-hmm. later on, but I think that for other things, like Percy, like even though she knew that plot became later, became important later on, I don't necessarily think that it was so vital, Interesting. and she couldn't, they, you know, they were writing these movies with, like, half the information that they needed, because the books weren't done yet. And so I think that that's probably why like that kind of stuff gets cut out.
0: Yeah, it's almost like this book, anything that wasn't the Triwizard Tournament got nixed. It's almost yeah. like they should have just called it Harry Potter and the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every side plot that exists in the book is just completely gone. It's true. So back to the World Cup, the first part of the movie where I was like, this is good, I like this a lot, is when they go into the tent. That's just yeah. so yeah. Really cool. That's exactly how I envisioned it when I was reading it. And Same. it's just Harry's confusion of how small it is. And uh, it's, that was really cool. And I'm sure that was a big thing for a lot of people. I remember when I was doing the Goblet of Fire episodes of Potterless, everyone was like, it was such a big thing to see that in the movie because it was so cool. So that was awesome. But of course, killed that momentum by ruining something when they actually get to the Quidditch World Cup itself. First off, you lose all of the hype for the World Cup. In the books, it's more fleshed out with walking around the village and buying merchandise, and Ron gets a little crumb action figure that is animated like a real person and stuff. (laughs) But a major thing that is changed here is that in the books, the seats that they have are taken as a compliment. So because Arthur works for the ministry, he is invited to in the minister's press box. And it's supposed to be really nice. That's where... Barty Crouch Sr. is and this character that you don't know exists, Brigand named Ludo Bagman, mm-hmm. who I have <laughs> so a I have a that. storied history with because basically in the books, he is a red herring as the bad guy. Oh. There's basically two red herrings, which is very interesting. So you kind of get this in the movie with Barty Crouch Sr. being a little suspect that you think he might be the bad guy. And then in the book, you have him as like an obvious red herring. And then Ludo Bagman's only kind of there a little bit, mm-hmm. but he's in a couple of scenes and acts sketchy once or twice. So for me, for episodes of pop Else I was fully convinced that he was the real bad guy and Barty Crouch Sr. was just this red herring. But ultimately, Ludo Bagman is just a not that important character. Whereas <laughs> I thought he was intentionally being hidden so that it was this big reveal of, oh, you didn't see it coming, but I'm just stupid. How did you feel when you realized
1: that he wasn't in the movies at all?
0: I was heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. I was crushed. They basically just combine him and Barty Crouch Sr. together. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to be like a tag team in the book. And in the movie, they're just they smoosh him together. So. What's weird about the way they change this is the whole interaction with the Malfoys at the game is different. I don't even know if that even happens in the book, really. I think they have a little back and forth. Yeah, I
1: think they do run into each other. Yeah, but this whole
0: thing of I think what it is in the book is them being confused that they are going to a good seat. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it's they're dunking on them and then the Malfoys get to be in the minister's box. But then also they're going to a lower seat, which it makes sense in Quidditch that the highest seat would be the best one because then you can see everything because it's all Flying, so it's very strange, and it seemed. Un- I don't get what the point of it was. Was just a further drive
2: home? I don't know. Yeah, I actually really I liked that exchange because it, it further like developed the Malfoys as like posh upper class. Like they have yeah. everything at this point, which like in the later movies when everything starts to crumble and he's looking like more disheveled. It it made that sort of fall. Uh, way more impactful for me. So like that whole, number one, I freaking loved the stadium and how it was yeah. constructed the and like that really metal cool. work. And it was just so cool. And I remember that shot where they're on the lower uh, game plank and sort of like talking up to them and saying they'll, you know, be the first to feel rain or whatever. And I just loved that uh, separation that they set up. So I actually really loved that whole exchange and them being up in the nosebleeds because there's even like a later conversation I think with Hagrid where he's talking with the three of them in the woods randomly I don't know what they were doing but he was like oh you were a big bunch of misfits and Mm -hmm. like further driving home like them being these misfits who are lower class or middle class was was something that I I super enjoyed.
1: Yeah, I think it makes sense because there's so much of that in the books, like nearly constantly, uh, especially since, you know, Harry doesn't really have... He, he grew up so poor and then he gets all this money and then his best friend is really poor and then, you know, his rivals, this this like, fancy guy. It's part of every single mention of Malfoy and interaction with the Malfoys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in the movies it makes sense to like create this one interaction to deliver that same amount of information.
0: Right. And classic movie Lucius. He always ends his interactions with Harry by doing something buck wild and this time he hits Harry with a cane. Yeah. <laughs> I freaking
2: love Jason Isaacs so much. And he's like, enjoy the game while it lasts or whatever he says.
1: <laughs> Jason Isaacs is amazing he was born for that role. Oh my god, he's <laughs>
2: incredible. <laughs> he does so well. What else is he in? That name is so familiar. Well, he played Captain Hook in that 2003 Peter Pan, which that's I absolutely right. loved. Oh, him wow. And he's
1: isn't he in The Patriot? Isn't he the bad British yeah, guy? Yeah, he's the bad guy. He's always like some sort of sniveling British villain, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so
2: great.
0: <laughs> love it. I love it. So, yes, the stadium is awesome. All the effects are really cool. Cornelius Fudge ends up doing the announcement, which is Ludo Bagman does this in the books. Another thing that's really sad is that Fudge's trademark item in the books is he has a lime green bowler hat and then the books they make it black, you know, so like a normal stupid. human. Like, <laughs> objectively, such a smart decision. I'm sure the costume designer <laughs> read that and was like, yeah, fuck that. We're not doing lime green. <laughs> but as me, who wanted to see someone wear a lime green bowler hat, I was crushed. <laughs> I was so sad. <laughs>
1: that to me feels like a choice that's trying to get at the like oh let's make it gritty and grounded and it's like no just make this whimsical fantasy movie please stop trying to make everything gritty yeah. just give him a lime green bowler hat
2: well was he a fan of the bulgarians or the irish cuz that could have been you know the reason uh, that they didn't uh, want him uh, to be a fan of the irish
1: uh, that's could true be it. yeah <laughs> i guess they had an established fudged really in previous movies because it's not like e- literally every single time he's mentioned in the books he's mentioned with his lime green bowler hat mm-hmm. like it's a thing mm-hmm. that's wild so this is a bit weird to then just like not have that for seemingly no reason yeah
0: i mean except for that that's a bonkers clothing item to wear <laughs> yeah but that's
1: what makes it so fun <laughs> yeah i think that, that's the whole
0: thing is that wizards his name is
1: cornelius fudge <laughs> like come on
0: <laughs> the whole thing in the books is that the wizards are not supposed to understand how muggle clothing works yeah and starting with movie three, they very much understand muggle clothing. So I think that's part of the fun is that in wizarding world, that's a normal hat to wear. And in muggle life, no one would be caught dead. (laughs) But here we are. So here's something that, is a little interesting before the match starts is they do the fireworks and then the leprechauns are dancing and then the Bulgarians fly in. They get rid of this whole thing where the Bulgarians also have a mascot where they have these things called the Vila. Yeah. They're these beautiful human-ish creatures that emit this... Aura that make people fall in love with them, and at yeah, one point like in the sirens,
1: ma- kind of. Yeah,
0: and at one point they make the ref fall in love with them. It's all thing, and then the leprechauns in the movie are just fireworks, but in the books they're actually small individual leprechauns that spell things like the fish in Finding Nemo. Oh <laughs> <The little> yeah, <laughs> silverfish. Yeah, and yeah.
1: they they hand out gold that then Ron takes and and thinks is real gold, but it's leprechaun gold, so it just disappears after a certain number of hours. And there's mm-hmm. that whole thing in the book.
0: producer Brandon has messaged me that you can't have green clothes on the film because of CGI with green screens but why didn't they use blue oh. screens Brandon I've seen 300 oh. they use blue screens
1: <laughs> also figure it out he needs a signature lime green bowler I'm yeah. sorry <laughs> Find figure something way. else out paint CGI onto his bowler hat like I don't care make it happen that's paint me as a director CGI. that's, that's how...
0: <laughs> very excited for when people looking back are like yeah Lauren Shippen she went on to make movies she knew so much about CGI <laughs> but here's something buck wild that happens and i made fun of this on twitter last night because i don't understand this the irish team flies in they run the flying v which is great before the match starts and then they show part of the crowd and you know how sometimes people have those really big banners Mm -hmm. there's an irish one that's just this big green rectangular banner with white spray paint that just says top of the morning
2: (gasps) that's right yeah
1: what the fuck like for real? Is that racist? It feels racist. It's, I mean,
0: these books are the books are no secret. Like the stereotypes happen. Um, yeah, hold on, I'm gonna turn the laptop around. That's what it looks like, Lauren.
1: Good Lord. So this
0: banner covers about four rows of the stadium and about (laughs) one, two, three, about four columns as well. I would guess that 60 people just can't see anything because of this banner that's in the way. Top
1: O the Morning. Top O
0: the Morning, with every first letter capitalized. And it's just really poorly done with white spray paint. Just no effort. And... It's so strange that this would be something that people would bring to a game. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange that they would cover the view of dozens of people to show it. I hope they got rid of it before the match actually started. But then what's even more buckwild wild is immediately after the Bulgarians come in and then Crumb shows up. And then it's this thing where everyone drops individual banners and yeah. then it turns it into like a video screen. And it's really cool. It's like, okay, we go from white spray paint <laughs> sign to this. What are we doing? It was so Also, wild.
1: you're wizards. You don't need spray paint. You can just, you can do it with your- one oh,
2: you have
0: magic you don't need a banner just put it into the sky i got to
2: say that move that crumb does when he comes in uh does things to me <laughs> and for me that is the coolest freaking shot when he does that cool like I don't know broom flip skateboard snowboard move whatever mm-hmm. it is yeah. it's amazing
1: you and Ron Weasley both Yeah, Ooh. Ron is super into it in mm-hmm. the book. oh
2: my god I love that when he's he's like he's an artist I'm like oh, <laughs> oh you're confused and enjoy
1: <laughs>
0: speaking of my best friends now that I was at LeakyCon the guy who plays Victor Crumb Stanislav Ionelski he was there oh my god amazing I didn't get to talk with him a lot but I did compliment him on his suit because it was really nice and also I went to the hotel gym because of his recommendation that it was really nice because he is jacked. Oh really? Yeah oh. as you would expect he's jacked in this movie and he's what 20 or whatever. Yeah. But he is ripped. That dude is like <laughs> stacked. Is he is he still as dreamy as he was in the movie? G- yeah just google image search you'll be uh, satisfied. Perfect. He went through some <laughs> interesting long hair long beard phases but now he's got oh. like a nice cleaner cut look. Yeah dude's doing well. Oh I hear the key Keyboard typing
2: away. Oh, I'm 100 percent doing. <laughs> oh, hi. What's up? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna keep him on the screen as we keep on talking. So yeah, let's continue. That was continue. another
1: one that I just did not get. Like I, I yeah, he looks I don't better see it. now
2: than he's a
0: bit like chunkier in the movie and yeah. the hair isn't doing him any favors. Now he's like a little bit more like chiseled and and hair is more put together than just a
2: buzz cut. Yeah. Dude, I loved when he walks in all serious with his awesome coat and his furry hat and I'm just <gasps> like yo. <laughs> the costume department for the
0: Durmstrang people as a whole and for him specifically, he always looks so fresh. Yeah, yeah. The, the entrance thing, the Yule ball, his hats, his coats. Oh, Yeah, he looks it's very great. good. Mm-hmm. Final thing about the Quidditch World Cup, though, is that Fudge does the announcement and says, let's the game begin, and then just shoots out some white ball, which isn't anything. (laughs) It's not the snitch. It's not (laughs) one of the balls. It's just the camera follows this white ball. And then... It just cuts to the match being over, which I don't like Quidditch. I think it makes sense. But what's so strange is there's so much hype. There is so much hype. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the teams. Here's these fireworks. Here's crumb. All this stuff. Let's go. We're at the match. The kids are excited. Here we go. Wow. Wasn't that fun?
1: Like, what? <laughs> because I think if it hadn't been for the thing that happens after the match, they would have cut out this entire sequence. It would have gone from true. that first scene to Hogwarts. It, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Because it just... you other than the Death Eater stuff that then comes, like, this is doing nothing right yeah right? It's, it's like it establishes who crumb is but you also you could do that in like a quick scene of dialogue basically like you could have ron and harry just telling hermione at breakfast at hogwarts about the quidditch world cup but right. because they have this whole thing with the death eaters yeah you need this scene but like i feel a lot for the filmmakers because it like doesn't do anything i
2: gotta yes. i gotta say coming back to this movie the thing that i discovered that i actually really really respect just from like a film geek standpoint is the transitions in this movie are to me so impactful and so interesting because, like, mm. you're immediately cutting to, to Ron gushing about him and you're able to, he's able to sort of like wax poetic about it and you get excited. But remember, there's like a later scene, forgetting something like triggers Harry or some romantic thing sort of happens. And then it cuts immediately to him like laying on a couch with the gold egg on his chest. And it's <laughs> yeah. like you don't have to show everything and it just jumps to like the impact of it. So, like, purely for like how they, I don't know how much they take out of the book, which it sounds like they did oh a lot. But but oh. in terms of like really moving it along and like getting to the emotional points of it, I actually was really impressed. I want to give the movie a little more credit than I have in the past just for that.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think... I think out of all of the books this is the one that's sort of the most impossible to adapt because it's not a cohesive book.
2: Mm-hmm. It's it's
0: chunky. It,
1: yeah, it's chunky and it's there's usually like an arc to the books, you know, if you, you start at the school year and you end it at the you know, at the end of the school year and then the stuff there's it's all leading up to something and there's like a character growth and an arc and this is really choppy as a as a book because of the Tri-Wizard tournament mm-hmm. that it really would work well as like a series of as like a min- HBO miniseries. Yeah, this, this
0: one would be the best as TV, especially yeah. if they bring it in. Because what ends up happening for the movie is that they just focus on the Triwizard Tournament. In the books, these Triwizard Tournament events are spread out across the year. Yeah. And there's basically Triwizard section and school section. And pretty much the movie just got rid of all of the school section. Yeah. And all of the side plots associated with that. So I think that this one really does lose a lot. But I agree with you, Brigham. I think that they they really keep it Chugging along smoothly. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. if you look about it and and think about things it a little more intensely, it doesn't make sense. Like by the whole time, it's the end of the year, and you're like, wait, they didn't go to class once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you kind of peek behind the curtain, you're like, hold on, <laughs> like how many days have passed between these tasks? Because it seems like the way that they do it, it this is over the course of three days, <laughs> yeah. but it's an entire year, so you have to kind of forget some of the logistics of it. But they do really keep things going, and they don't lose the momentum, which I think is hard because. In the book it really does feel like here's the chapter about this and here's the chapter about this
2: and it's very
1: episodic as a book yeah, which is weird yeah. And, and yeah which like doesn't translate well to, to film so I, I understand why they focus just on the Triwizard tournament because that's the thing you need to do in this book mm-hmm. and They you know couldn't make a a twelve hour movie,
0: right? Mm -hmm. But it'll be good when they make the HBO series, Uh, inevitably, yeah. And then cast me as Ludo Bagman, please.
1: That's what I want.
2: (laughs) Do you think they will?
1: Oh, they're definitely going to. Yeah, they're definitely going to make a TV show. Oh my
2: god! Daniel
1: Radcliffe has been asked about it before, and he's like, "No, please don't. (laughs) That's a bad idea. They're gonna, but they're gonna do it."
2: Harry Potter seems like one of those movies that like. You can do, you know how, like, The Wizard of Oz, it would, like, to me, I'm like, why would you ever remake that sort of quintessential movie? But everyone does offshoots of it, yeah. like, different sort of twists. I feel like they would do that for Harry Potter. It feels so like weirdly sacrilegious to make another one.
1: I mean, think about they're making an Amazon Lord of the Rings show and those movies yeah. are literally yeah. perfect. Yeah. And also <laughs>
0: 87 hours long each.
1: Yes. And they, they're not like, I i haven't read all the books. I've only read the Hobbit and like the beginning of a fellowship, but, um, they seem like diehard Lord of the Rings fans love them. And then also they just work on a movie level. Like they're just good movies. Mm-hmm. Yet they're still making a TV show of Lord of the Rings. So it's, it's, I don't think anybody cares. People just want money. Yeah. You know? I, I think with Harry Potter, they're <laughs> going
0: to try to flesh out the world as much as they can with things like Fantastic Beasts, Cursed Child, all this other yeah. stuff. And then I don't think it'll be for a while. It yeah. might be like 10, 15 years from now, but they will do, They'll it. do it. They yeah. will. Wow. And... I think it'll be fine, and maybe they'll do fun things like Daniel Radcliffe now plays James Potter or something, his dad. So I think they'll do it once they run out of stuff to do. I think they'll milk it for all it's worth, and then they'll be like... And now it's it again. Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's gonna. It'll be on Disney Plus Plus when Disney buys Warner Brothers and <laughs> everything that Warner Brothers owns.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. We're either gonna be completely taken over by Disney or Amazon. Yes, one of the two. One of the so two. For people listening in the year 2080, you know, <laughs> we didn't have Prime Ruler Lord Jeff Bezos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were still Americans, yeah. not Amazon Prime citizens.
0: Yeah. I definitely made that joke of the podcast before. <laughs> <Really? Yeah. laughs> It's gonna happen though. Yeah, it's gonna for be sure. so strange. Yeah, my kids listening to this, like, what? <laughs> What's Whole Foods? <laughs> we just call it Prime Food. Well, now that we've ruined the chance of any Amazon product sponsoring the show, we might as well take a break to some non-Amazon products that are sponsoring this episode in Windgardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Powerless is brought to you by Ethos. Let's say hypothetically that you are a 14-year-old boy that gets entered into a life-threatening competition of which you're too young to compete in, there's a very good chance you're going to die, and you're afraid that your life is in danger. So what should you do in preparation for this tournament? You should get life insurance with Ethos Life. This is the most on-brand sponsorship for this episode possible and I'm so stoked about it. Ethos is a faster, easier, and more affordable way to get life insurance to make sure that your family is taken care of even if you're not around to take care of them because you died in the Triwizard Tournament. Ethos understands that everybody's gonna have a different plan that makes the most sense for them, but they're committed to finding the best plan for you. And you can find that plan from the comfort of your computer, tablet, your phone, and it takes 10 minutes or less. All you have to do is answer a few questions about things like your health, your age, your income, things that you know the answer to, and you'll get an instant estimate. Then you can finish your application afterwards, and it just takes minutes. And of course, everybody's gonna be different. Mine is gonna look different from yours, which will look different from Harry's, different from Seamus Finnegan's, but an example from Ethos is that a healthy 35-year-old can get $1 million of coverage for only $50 a month. And that's way more money than you would get by winning the tri Tournament, so makes a lot of sense to sign up for Ethos here. With Ethos, you can rest easy knowing the people that you love will be taken care of, confusing terms, and piles of paperwork not included. And as a Potterless listener, you can go to ethoslife.com Potterless and click on Check My Price to get started today. Again, that's ethoslif dot com Potterless. Click Check My Price and you'll get your fully personalized quote. So again, ethoslife.com slash Potterless. Get your fully personalized quote and make sure that you're set up and your family set up because who knows if you're making it out of this tournament today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. Right there. Wow. Anyways, that's arenaclub. dot wow. slash potterless for ten percent off your T-N-O. first purchase. Wow. That's a so wild deal. Ten percent off a forty dollars pack in a more right transparent Anyways, way. That's arenaclub. dot for ten all your sorts of nerds like part. me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death The Death Eaters come in after the World Cup and they change some stuff, but they kind of keep the overall vibe. The Death Eaters, which are pretty much an allegory for the KKK, really hit that hard in this one with the pointy hats. Oh my gosh. gosh, ah, (laughs) Which part yikes, but also I guess that's the point. They're just really hitting you over the head with like, hey, these guys are racist. (laughs) But something they change is that Harry gets kneed in the head and then just knocked out and then wakes up and everything is burnt. Everything. Yeah. These are wizards with wands that know how to do spells to extinguish fire, yeah. but just everything is completely <laughs> destroyed. And also, no one found Harry. They come back, it's like, we've been looking all over for you, Harry. It's like, no one else is there. It is a ghost town except for Harry on the ground and then he wakes up. It just felt very implausible. Well, yeah.
2: When they were like yelled to to go to the port key, that actually raised a question to me. Like, when they like arrived there, did they just leave the the boot in the field and then they just go to it like can anyone use the port key or it's a whole point of discussion with port keys because
0: they change but for the most part port keys usually are an item and then they're set for a certain time and mm-hmm. then after a certain time they go away so what you could have is that they had the shoe port key and then after they used it, it disappeared or is just a regular shoe now. And then maybe they had a port key set for when the uh, match was supposed to end. but. Yeah. I don't think it would have made that much sense because realistically they would have been leaving the next morning. So this has sparked a whole—it's a whole Harry Potter. thing. And also,
1: like they set up the tent and they like there's that whole discussion in the book about how matches can sometimes last for months, right? Like there, there was like Ron talks about one World Cup where it goes five
0: days, and then Harry is like, "I would love that," and Percy goes, "I would hate that," and it's one of the few times I've agreed with Percy on anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, portkeys are are kind of messily explained in. In Harry Potter, and they—I don't think they really come back in the movies at all.
0: Do they do it in the seventh movie when they're doing the seven Potters? Because it's in the book, at least. I'm not sure.
1: Oh, um,
0: I feel like they don't do it in the movie, but it no. is in the book.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Because mm-hmm, they use like a hairbrush and some right. other stuff. Because they go to all the different ounces. I don't. think Yeah, they kind of
1: skip that that bit. They just think, show up though. at the
0: Burrow. Yeah. So everything is burnt. And then the other thing that they change is Barty Crouch Junior, the character that is played by David Tennant. He is just not in the book. Until one little scene and then the whole big reveal is that he's been doing stuff the whole time. Yeah. In the movie, they kind of hint that he is the bad guy. And then instead of the reveal being that he is actually still alive in the book, they tell you he's dead. The reveal just ends up being that he's been using Polyjuice Potion. You see him in that intro scene. You see him in the World Cup. I guess part of it is to make things a little more clear, but also part of it is like, well, we've got David Tennant, so let's put him in more of the movie. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) I think. Well, and I I, I'm sure that the filmmakers also thought and David Tennant probably also thought like, oh, well, this guy's definitely gonna come back. He's <laughs> definitely gonna be in the future books, you know, so uh, we should cast David Tennant. Like, I'm, I'm convinced that they thought that. Uh, also, I, I get why they have him appear early on in the movie, because I think it would be, like, a really, really random reveal where, if it was just, like, oh, now there's this random guy all of a sudden, right. so I... I think that was a good choice on the filmmaker's part.
0: Yeah. So because of that, they have to change a whole lot of things in the movie. So bringing in the book what ends up happening is that the dark mark is cast in the sky, but you don't know who did it. And then you find out that it was made with Harry's wand because it got stolen at the World Cup match. The person that did it is a house elf. So like Dobby or Creature one of those beings. It's this character named Winky who just doesn't exist in the movies at all. Yeah. And she is the house elf, that servant of Barty Crouch Sr. So then it's this whole confusion of, like, how did she get the wand? How did she cast the spell? All this other stuff. And that becomes a whole other side plot point. There's a whole house elf thing where Hermione is trying to fight for the rights of house elves. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's that's a union, basically. Yeah, basically she's (laughs) trying to start a union. And that whole side plot is just completely nixed. Dobby is in the fourth book, and he's just not in this movie at all. Yeah. There's a whole thing where Winky becomes an alcoholic, and Dobby cares for her. It's the beginning of Dobby not sucking like he did in (laughs) the earlier installments of the franchise. So there's just so much side plot stuff that... They ended up cutting, so I I guess that's part of the reason why you have Bartek Jr. being a bigger thing. I yeah. would
2: pay major money to see like Emma Watson and a bunch of these house elves doing like a Newsies style song and dance number uh, <laughs> to unionize. I I need that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do.
1: That would be amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so one other note that I just want to say: a lot of the the hair is very interesting. Oh, brother. You've got Harry's hair is really big, and from scene to scene, it varies. In some scenes, (laughs) it looks good, and in some scenes, it looks wrong.
2: Oh, it's like feathered and flat ironed? Yeah. 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 And
0: I guess this movie came out in 2005, so as someone that, starting in 2005, 2004 got a bowl cut I get it yeah. because that was the <laughs> hairstyle of people that were teenagers at the time so I get it but Harry's hair looks pretty rough Ron's hair looks super rough Ridiculous. Yeah. it's just in between being short and long and it's wavy and it just is very strange. But then also, Barty Crouch Sr. just has a Hitler mustache and we're just cool with it? <laughs> I know it's not as intense, but it is not wide it's, enough to be a mustache. Yeah, it's very
1: weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then also just the way in which he talks, I don't know if this actor is famous. Apologies if the guy that plays him is a big deal or whatever. But he sounds like he's caught between England and France. Yeah. <laughs> he just talks in this weird half English, half French, like, oh, ho, Barty Crouch Jr. Uh, it's very... It's strange. It seems
1: like like he's supposed to be kind of like timid or something. Because yeah. I mean, Party Crouch is kind of like a squirrely, weird person. Right. So I think that he was maybe trying to do that, and it just came out very confused.
0: It was strange, very, very strange. Yeah. So the World Cup ends and then they just go to school and then they're just at school. And then right away, the bow battens are here like <laughs> it is right away. It's so immediate in the book, it's a whole lot different because they have the scenes of them going to King's Cross. Charlie Weasley, the older brother, hints that there's something cool happening at the school and he's not allowed to talk about it. He basically breaks his NDA in the cool way and does a friend DA with his family. <laughs> he's like, cause they're like, oh, Charlie, we'll see you later. He's like, actually, you'll see me in like a month or so. But. I, just, can't I can't why. tell you why, but I'll be there. <laughs> and there's more build up to that. And then the whole Triers or Tournament thing doesn't start until Halloween. So they're in school yeah. for two months, two months or so. Yeah. For the movie, it's just,
1: hey, you're at school. Here's these other people. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about school. We're going to do a death match.
0: <laughs> yeah, no classes this year. We're just going to watch four people compete the whole time. And we're just going <laughs> to deal with drama and learn how to dance instead. But yeah, it just hits you right in the face with we're at school. Other people are here, too. Ah, yeah. (laughs) So the first thing that happens is they have the chariot flying in and you have Hagrid doing air traffic control, which Mm -hmm. is great. And it's something that I've noticed is Robbie Coltrane, the guy who plays Hagrid, is he a big deal? Because they kind of shoehorn him into
2: a lot of scenes in the movies. Robbie Coltrane's a, a big actor for sure. Okay.
1: B- Wait, before I was. Big he as in good at acting oh, yeah. he, and not just he, he, he played plays Hagrid.
2: Um, um, my Bond fan's coming out, but he was in uh, the Bond <laughs> movies in oh. the 90s.
1: Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. they just, it seems to be a common theme throughout the films is to get more Hagrid in the mix, which I don't complain with. I'm not complaining about at all. I think
1: it's also just that Hagrid is very much a, a fan favorite, right? He is, Sure. He and McGonagall are like the yeah. only good adults at Hogwarts, basically. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Even Dumbledore doesn't end his reign too well. No. So. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. It's just I they, they bring him in a little bit more. I'm glad that they put more Hagrid in the mix because one of the side plots that gets cut is Hagrid's continual struggles with being the care of magical creatures professor. Yeah. There's this whole thing where he is nursing these creatures called the blast-ended scroots oh, brigand, <laughs> which uh <laughs> These characters are wild, and reading them, I love them. They are these things that start off about the size of bugs, and they eventually grow to be 10 feet long, and they have a male and female blast-ended scroot and the females have suckers, and the males have stingers, which is like a little too on the nose, (laughs) but also, as their name suggests, sporadically, they just explode from their butt, and then just like launch out fire, and send themselves flying, and throughout the books, they start really small, and then they get bigger and bigger, and the students have to keep dealing with them, and students get hurt, and then eventually, the blast-ended screws are one of the obstacles to overcome in the maze portion mm-hmm. of the Trivers Tournament, and then you learn why Hagrid has been dealing and really struggling with these creatures for the whole year.
1: Yeah, they're like huge silverfish crossed with scorpions. They're awful. <laughs> I would say
0: Google it if you want, but very recently they made an official artist's rendition that was J.K. approved and hey, put on really. Pottimer. Yeah, it's nightmare fuel. You have been forewarned. Oh, they are actually also in, and I think this is probably why they did it, is that there is a Blast Ended Scrooge in the new Hagrid ride at Universal. Oh. I won't say Wonder because there's some fun like plot twists in that ride, mm-hmm. but the Blast Ended Scrooge make an appearance, so I think that before they made them, they made this artist rendition, and they are
1: terrifying.
0: Oh, these terrifying. are awful. Oh my God.
1: I hate yeah. them. When
0: I read the book, I was like, these seem fun. I just imagined them being like big roly polies, but no, nope. they're scary as hell. They're
1: really, really terrifying.
0: Not fun. So-
1: Absolutely. I did a quick one eighty <laughs> of
0: when I was doing the episodes I was like, yeah, my favorite's the blast ended scroots, and I would make it a joke and when I would do bios <laughs> for conventions, I'd be like, you know, Mike's favorite character, the blast ended scroots or whatever. Not anymore. Nope. I hate nope. <laughs> Big nope for me. Terrifying.
2: <laughs> Oh my God.
0: So yeah, that's a whole side plot that they just have to nix. So I'm glad that they add some more Hagrid stuff, and they really flesh out the him and Maxime love story, because that's so fun. So I'm glad that that gets its full play. Well,
2: Richard Griffith, who played Dursley, and I'm, I'm forgetting her name plays this character, but they were in History Boys together. Yeah, And I remember right. having seen that before I saw this movie and getting super excited. I'm like, oh, they're in the same universe. And that was like a bummer moment that the Dursleys don't show up in this movie. Not But at I just all. wanted yeah. the History Boys connection.
1: Yeah, I forgot that she was in the History Boys. She's the other teacher. Yeah. Because she is genuinely tall. She's yeah. not as tall as uh, as the guy who plays Hagrid. But I mean, they, they had to put them both in like platform shoes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I did
0: yeah. watch it behind the scenes video and it did confirm that Madame Maxime is supposed to be 10 feet tall and Hagrid is eight foot six. Wow.
1: Damn. So
0: they do some stuff there, putting it in perspective. <laughs> But yeah, Robbie Coltrane was talking about that in my little behind the
1: scenes YouTube wild. video I was watching. <laughs> I don't think I realized she was supposed to be 10
2: foot so tall. So like doesn't... the fact that she's tall, like it, it's, it, I remember, was it Finnegan who's, who says it? Wait, is it? Is yeah, that his last name uh, Finnegan? Uh, Seamus so, yeah, Finnegan. That's a large woman. And it's like during that part where all the girls come out and none of the Hogwarts girls are applauding and all the boys are losing their mind. And mm-hmm. then like, it was it was such a weird moment of like, okay, boys and girls, sexualization like the girls love the boys coming down the the boys love the girls coming down it was so strange
1: i yeah. i desp- i despise that scene so mm-hmm. much the yeah the entrance of Bobaton and and because it's yeah. yeah they just were like oh well you know the french school that's got a headmistress is just going to be ladies and it's going to be very soft and they're sighing and stuff mm-hmm. and then you know from Eastern Europe that's gonna be masculinity. And it's like, no, in the in the books, the boys do like drool over Fleur, but mm-hmm. that's because she's part Vila. <laughs> yeah, so the
0: same being that was the mascots for Durmstrang that make people fall in love with them. Hey, Editing Mike here. Past Mike definitely meant the mascots for Bulgaria. It's just kind of hard because they wear red, Durmstrang wears red, crumb is on the Bulgarian team, crumb goes to Durmstrang. Give him a break. Cut him some slack. Fleur, the one that becomes the champion, she is part Vila. So yeah. it's oh. not that people fawn over all the girls. It's, it's just, just they fawn her. over her and they don't understand why. And that's something later on in the movie that they get to is when Ron is like, I don't know why I asked her. I don't know what came over me. And the movie, doesn't make any sense because they never talk about her being part Vila. Yeah. So it's just like, I guess she's super hot. And that's supposed to be the explanation. Oh my God. Yeah, but yeah that makes sense. They're really big on the boys and girls like puberty coming of age thing. And even watching the behind the scenes videos that I was doing, it's all about that. It's all just, and they keep talking about it where it's a little too uncomfortable where mm. the directors or the writers at the screeners ever just like, yeah, like puberty and sexualization and getting, Ugh. having feelings for the opposite sex. And they keep saying like that direct phrase of developing feelings for the opposite sex a lot in a 10 minute YouTube video that I was like,
2: okay. <laughs> well, it's also kind of, I, I watched it with James and uh, my husband and we were talking about the age differences in this. And like, to be mm-hmm. able to participate in this, they say you have to be over 17. So like, I'm jumping a little ahead, but like the whole Crumb, uh, Hermione thing, where we yeah, established we'll that there. she's like 14? She's 14. And she's
0: actually a year older. She was, gotcha. had an early birthday. Okay. She was born in September. Yeah, so yeah. she is she's
2: 15, which is still not ideal. Because in my mind, I'm like, That's like a senior dating an eighth grader. And I was struggling with that a little bit. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's not ideal. She is supposed to be older and it's 17, 15, which I know it's like two years, but it's more of, especially with the way the school works, 17 is when people are seniors or their last and seventh year of the school. And it's also, they are considered adults in the wizarding world. 17 is basically our 18. So you have, even though it's a two year difference, you do have an adult. And a minor. Yeah. And it's not great. And then in the (laughs) book, I don't know if it happens in the movie. I think in the... Movie, They just like are going to be pen pals or whatever in yeah. the book. He invites her to his house over the summer in Romania or yeah. er, in Bulgaria. And that's a bit much.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, and and I don't think of this book as the book where it's like sexual awakening and puberty. Like that's the sixth book has a lot of that kind of stuff. Of, oh, right. like, I've
2: always thought Half Blood was that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Half Blood is definitely that. This to me feels more like. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are realizing that there are people outside of the three of them. Like that's what it yeah. feels like, right? Of of Ron kind of being taken by by Floor and Hermione realizing that she actually that there are people that want to get to know her that aren't just her friends, right? Like it's kind of her mm-hmm. being finally realizing that like she has valued other people. She doesn't always have to be like the, you know, the weird maligned nerd. And then Harry getting a crush on Cho. But the way that it's framed in the book, his crush on Cho is very much just him being jealous of Cedric. Yeah, Like, it's not really about Cho, right? Oh. It's about him wanting to be Cedric.
0: It's it's part that and then also part Harry just being very confused and very high school boy of just, he thinks she's pretty and that's all that matters. Like, yeah. doesn't care about personality, <laughs> doesn't like her, doesn't think she's exactly. funny. It's just like, she's hot, which yeah. as someone that was 14, yeah, I get it. Because that's my that was my criteria when sure. I was in seventh <laughs> grade was, she's pretty and she will say yes Once if I ask her out. Too, oh, which right. for Harry's yeah, a big yeah. thing, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> good at sports and hot, check, check. All Harry cares about, <laughs> yeah.
1: But like, yeah, but it's not. Th- none of those, none of those things are really that big of a deal in the fourth book. Like they're mentioned, no. but they're not really. And like Harry asking Cho to the prom, or it's you know, the prom to the old ball, <laughs> and then being rejected is like a thing that happens. But like. It's it's not that big of a deal versus right. in the sixth book like Ron and Hermione dancing around each other mm-hmm. and Lander Harry Brown. really like wanting Ginny like all that stuff is, is much much bigger in the sixth book.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it was more of just because they've cut all these other side plots, they needed something else to not just be the tri-wizard. So they took something that I think was probably one of the more minor side plots, and then flush it out more, and then just really made this all about, like, boys like girls now, and girls like
1: boys, and here we are, and
0: it's 2005. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and here's three schools. It's girls versus boys versus co-ed. It's like, (laughs) it's so dumb. I hate it. (laughs)
0: Um, So, yeah, the other intro, so we had the chariot fly in with, Bo Batten. And then Durmstrang has the boat out of the water. And they were just really trying to flex with the CGI here. Yeah, There's all this music and the boat comes out and there's water and all this other stuff. (laughs) So then they go to the actual feast where they're welcoming him in. And I know this is the new Dumbledore actor and he gets a lot of crap in this movie for screaming the Harry did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire (laughs) line, which is supposed to be said calmly in the books. Harry Potter. He just sounds so angry every time he speaks yeah like even at the opening feast he's like we have new students to welcome to Hogwarts <laughs> it's like why are you angry the dude just chill out yeah, you're supposed to be like hello everyone we have these wonderful guests coming and he's just like strike from the north it's like all right dog chill <laughs> fuck <laughs> he's so angry for everything so he first welcomes the Bo Batten and yes it's only girls which is a bummer because they send girls and boys in the book, which I think is more
1: interesting. Well, it's way more interesting too, because then Floor gets chosen. Yeah. There's only one female champion, and it's and sh- in the movie now it's framed as, there's one female champion because she came from an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. Versus yeah. like, yeah. actually being oh, worthy yeah. in a co-ed oh, context. Man, I, mean, I yeah, hate it. That sucks. I hate
0: it so much. And then, <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it? I feel like in the books, Durmstrang only sent dudes.
1: No, there definitely are. There are girls girls from Durmstrang too. I feel like maybe it's something.
0: Well, because they had to send both because they still had to go to classes. Maybe it was something like only dudes from Durmstrang put their name in the goblet or something.
1: I think Victor just got it. I think I think a bunch because I feel like I remember a girl from Durmstrang. Like because they all watch people putting putting their names in.
0: That so one? the yeah. bow battens come in and it's only the girls and they're doing the whole like walk up and then,
1: <sighs> uh, which is a bit uh,
0: much uh, after the <laughs> after the third time they do it, I was like, all right, this is a bit it's much. so
1: <laughs> unnecessarily sexual and gross. I, oh man. And then
0: butterflies fly out. But no, yeah. talking about uh, unnecessarily sexual and gross, in between two of the sides, there is a shot of just the girls butts <laughs> just their butts yeah. running for it. Yeah. yeah, running, like n- prancing yeah. for it. It's like not even running, but it just shows their butts. That is it. And then someone on the side, I don't know if it's Ron or Seamus or someone else, someone off camera just on the side goes, Bloody hell. Like, <laughs> right after they cut to the butts, it's like, really? Really, we're doing this? This is a children's movie. What are we doing? Like, that is not aged well at all. And then immediately after, as they're walking down, you've got Maxime, and then Seamus hits Ron in the back and goes, hey, Ron, that's one big woman. Like, yeah, dude.
1: Yeah, she's, she's tall. tall.
0: Cool. <laughs> like, ugh. Not not great, which I not get. Great. It's a teenage boy thing, so it's like not like out of character, but yeah. it's still well. And also, gross. It's like they're trying
1: to to point out that like maybe she's part giant because that's a whole thing, yeah. right? But like it's just done so. He says sloppily. it with
0: such a shitty grin, though. Yeah, it's so like, eh. She's yeah, tall. She's big. It's like, dude, you're Seamus Finnegan. Your whole bit is that you're bad at magic and everything blows up literally <laughs> yeah. in your face. <laughs> so something that I forgot that I didn't realize was in the movie. In Universal Studios, they have a performance of this entrance, which is actually pretty cool. You've got the strength people, and they actually do gymnastics and the batons and all this stuff. And the Bo Batten girls do acrobatics and all kind of dance moves and all that. And they have someone that does... Gymnastics, And she's in a full unitard and it's made to look like butterflies. And what I thought was, oh, right, because in the movie there's butterflies flying out when they do the size and all this other stuff. But they actually do have a gymnast person in the movie. And I totally forgot that was a thing. They do.
1: And it's supposed to. It's like Fleur's younger sister, right? That's supposed to be the thing. Oh, I didn't realize that was Which like. Also, feels like it doesn't really make sense because the whole thing is that like they've like fl- basically fly Flora's younger sister in so that she can be a victim in the second <laughs> challenge. Yeah, because right?
0: she's not old enough to she's even a- put her name. I'm in Because I'm pretty ring.
1: sure she's. I don't think she's even in school yet. That's what's so weird about her being uh, yeah, the she's gymnast. Like so she's like nine years old. She's not actually at band yet.
0: Oh yeah.
1: I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have yeah, several bones to pick. I was
0: very excited to see person in full unitard doing back handsprings because I thought that was just a representation of butterflies, but is actually in the movie too. Yeah. But and I got to say the movie unitard better than the Universal Studios unitard cuz it had <laughs> fringe and That's true. It's texture pretty cool. to it. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> so yeah, it it's hard cuz they do over-sexualize it but then at the same time Having a person doing gymnastics is dope.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's dope as hell. But, and like uh, the the sparks on the the string yeah. Things like like there's cool elements of it, but it's just like but just have like also like boys in, you know, frilly blue costumes and and you know, girls in in heavy red coats and all that kind of stuff. Like just mix it up. I yeah. just Yeah. It really it really really just bothered me that they made Fleur the only female champion basically by default.
0: Right. It kind of sucks that yeah. you lose out on her Earning the spot, exactly, and and not just being like, well, they needed a girl because it was only girls. Yeah. So the final thing that we'll talk about in this episode I ended on a happy note is when the Durham strength dudes come in. They're all like, oh, oh, uh, <laughs> like stopping <laughs> the <laughs> ground and sparks and the motion blur effects when they're spinning the batons. Yes. But then just the entrance of Victor Krum and Igor Karkaroff is so good. It's amazing. Oh, it's just like <laughs> so great because the hallway's long enough where he has to walk pretty quickly, but he looks so intimidating and his jacket is dope and it's his hat amazing. is dope. And when you think about it, it has not been established that he's going to be the champion yet. Yeah. But they all but know. They know. Oh, for they sure. Know. It's just—it's got to be weird to be the other Darmstadt people. Of like you are very much his henchman.
1: Yes. <laughs> like, oh it's yeah. Very much yeah.
0: Victor Crumb and friends. And it's oh man. Well,
1: I love it too because once you have the context of of knowing who Victor Crumb is, the fact that he's kind of this like soft awkward boy who like doesn't really know what to do with yeah, being famous you it's lose like that whole thing. him being like sort of frowny and marching down and you're sort of like oh you feel awkward like i don't know i think that like oh, i i love i love that like contrast put that in the of film of that him. sounds yeah cool. so yeah. in
0: the book this is something and eventually when i talked to my new best friend stanislav ivanevski about it in the books victor crumb is Awkward. Yeah. He's not buff. He's a lanky dude. He just happens to be really good at Quidditch. He's not that physically intimidating. Yeah, And he's actually a really complex character because he is very famous, world famous. Yeah. He's 17 years old and is the best player on the national team. It'd be like Pulisic on the American soccer team.
1: Of course. Yeah, that Yes. Now now he's
0: in his early to mid-20s. But he's (laughs) for a while, he was 18 and was still the best soccer player in America. Yeah. So he had this awkward thing of, dude can't even buy a drink. And we're putting the entire weight of our soccer department on this dude's shoulders. So Victor Crumb is world famous. And he shows up to this tournament and is still kind of awkward. And eventually he gets to the point where he asks Hermione, who is not super popular yeah. to the Yule Ball and it's this whole thing Hermione talks about it in the movie a little bit says he just watches me study yeah. but use, uses it as a way to justify him not being talkative and being and as opposed to being awkward because in the books the whole plot is that he doesn't have the courage to ask Hermione Aww. out so he keeps just hanging out in the library I while all that. these girls fawn over him yeah. but he doesn't want them he's interested in Hermione because he finds her interesting
1: yeah and he like ends up writing her letters over the summer yeah. and stuff like he a really I want sweet that. Guy. That's so nice, and it's
0: really cool because he's world famous athlete. There's people literally following him across the school, which happens in the movie. Does happen in the book. Yep. He could just pick hottest girl that is following me, but he's more complex and has more things going on. Where he's not just muscle, Bob, buff pants. He's not just this <laughs> meathead. And in the movies, are just like. I mean, I kind of made. I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg, but they they cast this ripped dude, and not that Stan is not. Like, he's so nice, like yeah. he him the human, but they just decide. Yep, we're just going to make this dude a pure meathead, and that's it because oh,
1: he's that's a so boy. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. I
2: would have loved to have seen that. I know. I
1: feel oh. like I, I feel like the the actor
2: Stanislav d- Iannovsky. Like, St- yeah,
1: Stanislav Iannovsky <laughs> does like. I could tell that he knew that about Victor Crumb, you know, it felt like he'd he read the books yeah. and had like made an effort to like find those moments of sensitivity. Cause yeah, it's like when the few scenes that, you know, like little moments where you see him and Hermione, he's mm-hmm. not being sort of a big meatheady guy. He's right. like kind of like, you Charming. Know, like qu- yeah, like quietly talking to her and stuff. And so
2: he's great. And just so uh, you guys know, th- as we've been talking, I've just been sending <laughs> Lauren up. over the chat uh, pictures of present day uh, Crumb Crum. Uh, so enjoy those. So I really- Oh, I,
1: I, I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah.
2: But I, I did overhear
0: a little bit of one of his programs at LeakyCon where they were interviewing him about it, and yeah, you totally get that vibe. He They cut a big scene of him dancing with Hermione. That was a whole thing uh, in the okay. Ball, and that gave a little more insight of the him actually liking her and not just being a meathead. And the vibe that I got is that Stan has a little bit of, not regret, but he is sad that- you lose some of that because yeah. I think you're right he he read the books he went into it he tried to figure out crumb as a character and then what you get in the movie is just uh, I'm Victor Which yeah which
1: good acquittage yeah it's just not who
0: he is it makes me sad yeah. but on the happy note that we're gonna end on his outfit is dope so yes yeah. as hell yay Victor <laughs> you look good so we're gonna we're gonna put the pause on it here we, you guys will be discussing the rest of the film in the next part but as we round up this one just because it is like over an hour I'm oh <laughs> not even like how through the movie if people want to find the two of you doing stuff where can they do it i know lauren you wrote a freaking book i
1: did write a book <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you want to tell people about a meathead who that. falls in love
1: with a nerd <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i wrote a book called the infinite noise it's a Supernatural Way Romance, Queer Romance. And you can follow me at Lauren Shippen and at Atypical Artists on Twitter.
2: What about you, Brigan? I am a person that exists in the world. And uh, you can find Debatable. me at, at Brigan Snow on Twitter. And uh, usually walking behind Lauren carrying a bag of some sort. So, yeah. <laughs> nice love
0: to hear it well thank you guys so much for (laughs) joining on and listeners thank you so much for listening and until next time as they say in the wizarding world of harry potter before they make butterflies fly out of their jackets and go "Ah, a wizard on just skipped the intro of last episode of Paros because we have new merchandise items and they are fantastic. We've got so good the worst buttons. We have violently purple V-necks and violently purple crew necks, as well as a whole bunch of stuff from all the other Multitude shows. If you go to multitude.production slash merch, you can see all of the wonderful merchandise that we have to offer. Paros is created by McTribert. It is hosted by McTribert. It is edited by McTribert. It is produced by McTribert, as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Jesse Horgan, Natalie Klobuchar, Klaus Rilopu, Frank Chiodo, Martismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfiliu, Abid Med, Rosemary Lisa Maria, Lisa C. Keen, Doc. Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Rossan Batamana, Nikita Power, Taylor Armstead, Ali Madsen, Amelia Kraus, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Pulito, Orkigor, Vivian, the Owl Takari, Ront, Haley Hastings, Moster, Angelina Withred, Caitlin Sullivan, Grace Riggles, Rule Pineda, Inga Nodstadter, Mari Wynn, Alex Consilver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Tao, Emily Tyrell, Robin Fernandez, Will Barrington, Liz Bigelow, Brandon Pickens, Sarah Enslin, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Gloria Gillen, Alicat 29, Veronica Vartova, Lada, Bartova Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Friday, Jason Peterson, Naomi, Guglielmo, Tyler Lattra, Summer Athol, Heather Fleischman, Vera D Baggesson, Andrea Croc, Lisa Grieven, Lynn Walker, Cameron Watkins, Justin Montero, Christine Saunders, Jacob Parrish, Toothless Walnut, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Netta Atabani, Remy Fontaine, Sarah Shecker, Nona VM, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia Eddie, Brian, Jenny Campion, Nikki Harris, Kara Hamilton, Courtney Hemwood, Kine, Amida Alfred Sabrina, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Lindy Placky, Martha Medweno, Benjamin Desmond, Sarah Shetter, Marta Morrison, Stephanie Magnuson, Justine Wadde, Erin Richter, CJ Ochoa, Eileen Gazesh, Violet Sullivan, Kat Yao, Lindsay Towning, Fielding Lee, Keegan Curran, Miranda Manning, Gail Ann, Mr. Folk, Adam Bryant, Christine Welton, Maya, Zachary Davis, Kieran Heaven, Christy, Leader Williams, Wire Warrior 4976, Flora Sake, Cirrus Skiarsford, Georgia, Itzel Aime Ayala, Peter Wyckoff, Kenny Kane, Skyla Lily, Edel Orion, Professor Threat, Kelsey Lesian, Ellie Hoskovchova, Lubin Maleo, Akanwande, Lena Karen, Daniel Fulkerson, Lee, Lili, Lili, Elizabeth Christopherson, Abby, Luca Faccio, Michael David Yordy, Nice Earmuffs Potter, did your mom make them for you? Kara Hoyer, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Nadia Vansgard, Carrie Crumpler, Jamie Kingston, Camilo Garcia, Connie Binkowski, Mary Matil, Imo Sarah, Jennifer Wendt, Anastasia Blake, Jaden Allman, Nedry OS, Matt Barger, Riley Lane, Will Husser, Zephyr Lawrence, Brett, Claussen, Samantha Lentz, Kayla M. Simino, Lauren Wainwright, Aurora Fruhoff, Emma Clark, Hermione Snape, Megan Dick, Out of Context 69, Liam McCormick, Molina Brandle, Marco Cepeda, L. Robertson, Hannah Zeters, Cordy Spilker, Victoria McCormick, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelon, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Jennifer From the Block, Anna Penalber Alvarez, Fake Valentine, Brianna Jordan, Karu Teru, Sarah Saunders, McKenna Tweety, Six Awkward Nine, Anthony Ruiz, Peter Mina, Heather Langeal, Weekend of Dead Cat, Ladies, Javi Guadalupe, Trejo III, Darlene Kerr, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Charlotte, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Patrick Cribben, Chris U2, Alex C Boo, Jarl Svijven, Haley Logan, Adam Graham, Emma, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jack McMahon, Jan and Rose Daub, T-Pixel Guy, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Beckman, and the music is by Bettina Kampamadas. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash twitter.com slash potterlustpod, instagram.com slash podcast, or reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For all information about the show, you can go to potterlustpodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash and for merch, including those new merch items, you can go to bit.ly slash merch on. If you want to tell someone About the show, whether it's directly or through review online, that helps a lot. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on!